This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Vimeo. By now I hope you know that Vimeo has a bunch of amazing indie films you can watch on demand. I've recommended my favorites that you can watch at vimeo.com slash IndieWire. If you're a filmmaker and want to sell your movie or series on Vimeo on demand, all you need is a pro account. You can set your own price, create promo codes, add bonus features, and there's that embeddable HD player with a purchase button, which means people can buy and watch your film anywhere on the web. Vimeo only takes 10%, which is really the best in the business. Go to vimeo.com slash start selling and use the promo code ERIC20 for 20% off Vimeo Pro. This week I'm going to recommend a movie called Tower. It's Kazakh Redwanski's deadpan comedy about a Toronto-based 30-something bachelor who endures a series of awkward slapstick moments in his search for companionship. Think Curb Your Enthusiasm meets Frownland? Or just watch it. It's funny as hell. The promo code ERIC20 will get you a 20% discount. But for now, on with the show. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor-in-chief film critic. Once again, in person with Ann Thompson from Thompson and Hollywood. Last week we were in Toronto for the film festival there. Now you're in New York and we're gearing up for the film festival here. So round and round we go and it doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. Do you no, think so? it's not. So we're still sort of unpacking a lot of the movies that we saw in Toronto, even as we head into New York Film Festival. And one of the things that's notable is that there, while people may have perceived the marketplace in Toronto not to have been, you know, on fire constantly, there were some substantial deals that came out of there. First and foremost being Hardcore, this midnight movie shot on a GoPro camera which sold to SDX Entertainment for $10 million. Which is one of the newer distributors and a more mainstream distributor, obviously not interested in art films. Yeah. So this this is one of those things where they needed to start filling up their roster and they were willing to overpay. And there were a lot of people who were interested in this movie. I ran into buyers during Toronto who would say, what did you think of Hardcore? And finally I saw it and I didn't think much of it, but I see why people are excited about it. I think perhaps wisely or not, they think that the video gaming young male demo, which is so hard to reach these days, is going to go for this because of the POV. It looks like a a first-person shooter, which is a genre that's been around for now like 20 years, so you do have a generation that actually grew up with that vernacular, but that also to me is sort of what's limiting about it, and I think a lot of that generation is going to be less wowed than other people who might be impressed by the way that it executes that and uses that technology. So I'm really curious to see how that goes because I assume they're going to want to franchise the hell out of this thing. When you think about it, it, it's it's sort of like Crank in a way. If you have a franchise, you still have to have a successful first movie. (laughs) Right, exactly. And $10 million says they think it's going to be that successful. Timur Bekmambetov, the Russian filmmaker who who did Wanted, was a producer on this thing, kind of helped it come together. So obviously having that kind of a Hollywood uh, in could could be an asset for it. But it's an interesting gamble, and this year in particular it really did stand out because it was the biggest deal. But Anomalisa is in some ways a much more interesting story. I think so because what strikes me about Paramount picking that up, A, they have a thin slate, B, they have a big marketing department, and they actually have a very good 
marketing department run by a woman named Megan Coggan, who actually seems to have perceived a, a, a wider appeal for this movie than perhaps was obvious in, in, in the festival setting. And I actually think she might be right. Well, I did a whole story on this, and I spoke to Lila Copland and, and a couple other different people about kind of the whole process through which this movie came out into the world. And it was a long process because it was adapted from a play from 2005. The Kickstarter was in 2012. They spent three years making it, right? Then they showed it to a bunch of buyers, and people said they liked it, but they didn't see this kind of broader appeal. But it played so well and got such good reviews, and clearly with the December release date that they have in mind, they're going to go for the animation Oscar. And that's a good shot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people love Inside Out. It's felt... It's not claymation. It's not. It's not the usual Tim Burton-looking right. little puppets. It, this is felt. There's something very tactile, and uh, these are humans. Real. It seems real, and it plays Even with that sex sense of real. real. Yeah. You know? No, exactly, and and it plays with that idea in a way that, in some ways, opens up Kaufman's sensibilities to a different sort of audience. And at the same time, there is something broader about that kind of animation. If you look at what's on TV right now on Adult Swim, for example, there's that young male demo that loves that kind of stuff for the family guy audience. Well, it's just something you've never seen before. And I think that if you can market that, I think there's something very identifiable about this story, something that we can all relate to. The guy in the hotel room is a little lonely who's trying to pick up a woman or find a connection. I mean, we can all relate. And there is something kind of amazing about somebody like Charlie Kaufman who does these great kind of creative stories that are so hard to get made, getting a project put together outside of the system and then being invited back in. Yes, I love that. $5 million price tag. And, and I, I think it would be great to see this movie going up against Inside Out, also a, a wonderful, very imaginative way to use animated medium. But in some ways, I think that Anomalisa goes further because... Well, it's, bra- it's breaking, breaking a very important barrier, which has to do with reaching out to an adult audience. I mean, no matter how hard Pixar may try... I mean, that whole barrier has not really been breached on a wide they still popular see it as scale. A, it's a kid's movie. They have to market to families. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Right. Even even with the darker twists in this movie, they still have to be softened on some level with the conversation that the parents are going to have with the kids afterwards and, and the way in which it's going to play for them. The whole the, the Bing Bong character, not to spoil anything, that, you know, but I mean, I think that's well, an they, interesting... Well, the, uh, the, 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 the Pixar, Disney... DreamWorks, Blue Sky universe is constantly pushing to operate on several different levels to adults and and families, but there's a limit to what they can do. Has an adult-level animated feature ever won that Oscar, though? Because Mm -mm. it seems like... I remember The Lord of the Rings, Ralph Bakshi. That was a big deal at the time as a more adult-oriented, but not really. And that's one of the limitations of that category. Fritz the Cat, back in the day. Yeah. Sure, but but that was a that was a, a again he was breaking barriers then. And you have people like Bill Plimpton who've been around forever, and he was nominated for his Guard Dog short, but he's made features and never been acknowledged on that level. Mm-mm. Not to say that it's comparable to Anomalisa per se, but something a little bit edgier, aimed for a, a, a different kind of audience. I mean, I wonder how that's going to play. Well, in he this plays in the landmark cinemas of the world. You know, he's more of an independent. 
of course, with Paramount behind it, they can actually do a wide release. And they could spend some money. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, the other the other big pickup just came down yesterday, um, Maggie's Plan, uh, which was one of my favorite movies. It was a lot Toronto. of fun. I mean, it's hard to say, it, does that mean that the world premieres just weren't particularly great this year, that the kind of jumpy romantic comedy ended up being the highlight, or is it just that this happened to be one of the highlights of the festival? Well, Rebecca Miller, this is her fifth film. Uh, I liked some of her other ones, and and I think that, that this is just so much fun. It's witty, it's well-written, It's it, the actors are great, so you've got Greta Gerwig and Ethan Hawke and, and Julianne Moore in this very intricate and unpredictable and volatile triangle, and it's really yeah. fun. You don't know how it's going to turn out. It's, you know, it's... There's, it, a, there's kind of a feminist a, a slant to it. Yeah, but it's also, it's, it's like this classic comedy of remarriage, literally, in a way, but it's but it's got some really terrific kind of insidery New York humor that's still accessible, even if you don't get all those references. It's a little bit Noah Baumbach meets Woody Allen, but I don't sure. want to do that. I want to say it's Rebecca Miller. Right, <laughs> you know? as she comes into her own. A sophisticated writer-director who's found a, a voice that actually works and could connect with the public. And it's a Greta Gerwig movie. I mean, she Very has the so. genre basically in her pocket, so when you say the Noah Baumbach thing, really what we're saying is, is Gerwig, who has a sort of auteur like presence even when she's a New York do. set romantic comedy that yeah. that that notion but it's it, it glides along very well too the screenplay is structured in in a way that keeps surprising you the the, the plan and question keeps shifting so any classics doing a movie like that i mean it's perfect, but they're not doing it until next year, so it won't be in the Oscar race this year, along with Miles Ahead, which is going to definitely be in 2016, even though it closes the New York Film Festival. And we haven't seen Miles Ahead yet. I mean, in the case of Maggie's Plan, it's probably a smart decision because it's just such a crowded field already. Anyway. And they have a lot of movies to deal with. They've got Truth, the James Vanderbilt movie with Kate Blanchett and Robert Redford, a journalism expose, which I compare unfavorably to Spotlight, but it came out of Toronto with decent reviews. I, mean, it, it came I think out it's okay. a very Some people like movie. It. And the thing is, I'm not over the moon about Spotlight either, so I kind of feel similarly about both of those movies. They're, they're Spotlight reaches a little bit more to capture certain neurotic, obsessive elements involved in reporting. I'll give it that. What it has is the celebration of journalism. It has this sense of a group of people going up against vast institutions for the right reasons and succeeding in exposing wrongdoing. See, that's what you I find kind of really frustrating about it. You get really outraged by it. Yeah, but then the, the celebratory aspects of, are, are, I think, the weakest moments. I mean, there is a speech that Lee Schreiber gives near the end of the movie where the music swells that, that I found kind of distracting, when, for the most part, what's really involving about this movie is the extent to which these characters who, who find themselves on a noble mission, I think, from the beginning of the movie end up realizing that they may not have properly reported this story in the past. And Keaton's character in particular, I think, really excels. And John Slattery. At, and John Slattery. But but I find and Slattery, I still feel but like his he's... his character is the one who really may have made Really mistakes. screwed up. Yeah. yeah. I find him a little bit less credible because he's still, he just looks like that oh, madman guy. I'm so, I mean, stop. I'll take a few more not, roles. Not his fault. That's not, I'm not saying it's his fault. It's just a natural result. Keaton, on the other hand, I found... Totally convincing. What's interesting is they're all going, I knew this and I already reported this. It's not news. But, but now, <laughs> now they say it's exclusive at all. There's official. They're all going, uh, it's, I already told you this, guys. They're all going supporting. Um, Which so is a huge, yeah, cool. how many people? It's like five people But it or means it'll be two. You know, it'll be Ruffalo and Keaton. 
But um, you also have Rachel McAdams as the one. She doesn't have a scene. I mean, they're going to campaign for her. I I met with them. They're going to campaign for her. But she doesn't have a money scene. But do we have an idea of who she would be going up against? Uh, In supporting actress? Mm -hmm. There's a long list of people in supporting actress. Um, There's Kristen Stewart. There's um, uh, Kate Winslet from Steve Jobs. Very strong. I would say. Yeah, Kate Winslet um, is going to be getting a whole new burst of uh, attention from New York Film Festival when that movie plays next weekend. And she's even doing a public talk and everything. So, uh, And Rooney Mara is going supporting for, for Carol because they're giving Kate best lead, which is why for Carol, which is why I don't think truth will happen. I think it will be for Carol. So Carol, that's an interesting one. I mean, that seems to be on some level like the biggest Weinstein offering which at one stage of the game I, I thought would have been an interesting way to go because I love Carol. It seems like a, a quote-unquote smaller film. It's, you know, it came out of Cannes, you know, as a sort of quote-unquote front-runner. It had a prize attached for Rudy Mara. Um, it, it's one of those movies a little bit like Foxcatcher, I would say, where everybody admires it and everybody writes good reviews and, and, and everything, but it's not the kind of crowd-pleaser Finally, you know, that grabs you by the by the gut. You know, it, it doesn't have it's it's Todd Haynes. It's what he is. It's he's he's a little flat and formal. But well, that's that's a notable kind of transitional moment for him to to think in those terms that it is Todd Haynes because it feels like Todd Haynes making a movie for more people. More specifically, he did this era before with Far From Heaven in a more formal kind of This is more setting. accessible than Fire yeah, there, there was a meta narrative and so forth. And this is This is more like what he did on HBO with Right, with um, Mildred Pierce right. and, and Kate, Kate Winslet. Winslet. Yeah, but shorter <laughs> and I think more palatable to some people. Even even Mildred Pierce I thought It was sexy. It, it was this yeah. was sexy too. But Carol has a very simple through line. You can follow what this story is irrespective of kind of what your reference points are or what you tend to like. And I think the the way it boils down to the chemistry between these two characters. And it's very good. It's the, the chemistry is very strong. Now, I think Carol's going to go out. Well, we'll see. It's going to play New York. So it's going to have a whole nother boost after Telluride. And we'll see how it goes. So does it really boil down to Sony versus Weinstein? It usually point? does, you know, um, but but uh, focus is in there because they've got Danish Girl and, and they've got Suffragette. You don't think we can just cross Danish Girl off the list at this point? No, it's alive and kicking. It's it's not a home run as a movie. I would never associate the verb kick with that movie. <laughs> it's so lifeless. I, I Wow. Uh, I think the actors will survive. I think the candor especially. She's, she's good and Redmayne will but it, it's survive. There's nothing striking about that movie, considering that it's it involves such a dramatic subject matter, particularly now uh, when viewers are, I think, much more attuned to the nuances of this topic. It's beautifully made. It's beautifully wrought. I think the actors are very good, and I think that the person sitting next to me was weeping. I was not. The person sitting next to me was probably weeping before the movie started. I mean, I, you know, Garrett. <laughs> I, I, I would weep during Carol if I was a crier. I, I think that there, uh, there are ways in which movies can make you cry that are legitimate and then other ones where it's just sort of a foregone conclusion that the topic's going to have that effect. 
I clearly mean, the Danish girl is is divisive and it's it, but the, if you look at the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes it's like truth you know it's it's respectable yeah. but we'll see where they end up on opening day when right. the real print reviews come in and neither of those movies are going to have any additional festival push or anything mm -mm. like that with Spotlight what was interesting was that you had the Telluride reaction which was good and then the Toronto reaction, which was like this explosion. The spell, it, was a, it was a great reaction in Telluride, too. The, yeah, it was it just was a, a smaller crowd. Now, look, both Room and Spotlight did the, and, and Amelisa, by the way, you know, did, did well, Spotlight did Venice, too, right? That's right. So they'd had the trifecta of, of building that. And so did Anomalisa, which And Black Mass, which didn't do quite as well as the others. Right, though it seems to be it doing opened well up, commercial. I bet it will fall on the second weekend. Though. Yeah, well, I mean, subject matter, was, mixed reactions. And more competition. Lots of competition. So that a lot of stuff has been changing up just in the past week in that respect. Well, you had these more commercial movies, Sicario and Black Mass, which are obviously genre films. And so I think in the end, they run the risk of running out of steam in the, in the Oscar race, just in that context. They're and also just not... The Martian is coming in, right. Legend is coming. I mean, there's all these films that are going to be... You know, they pushed Legend back to give it some room yeah. away from Black Mass. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't see Legend. I love Legend. But you love Tom Hardy. I do. And there's two of them, so you can't I go wrong. Do. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that in more detail. And Emily Browning. She's but, good, too. All right, yeah. we'll wait on that. So then, so versus... Um, so the, the question of, of Sony. So they've, got, they've also got Son of Saul, which is going to be a very tough movie movie to beat for the foreign film Oscar and they're pushing it in other categories it's as well. even playing at fantastic fest this week, weekend which I think is, it'll they're be leaving no stone unturned yeah, exactly and also I think it will prove that there's there are many different audiences for a movie like this and they picked up land of mine which you saw right? I saw land of mine it's, it's I had a, some good word it's a it's a very solid drama about the this you know immediate post-war situation with the these very young uh, not, uh, German POWs who are forced to clean up the lands on, on the Danish shores, um, compared to Son of Saul, let's say, uh, the, there's nothing you haven't seen here before. It's a very kind of straightforward, you know, war is hell kind of situation that happens to involve a really particular scenario, but it's a pretty basic drama in terms of the beats that it follows. So something like Son of Saul... Or Mustang, which is about a bunch of young women uh, from Lebanon, it just doesn't seem to have the same kind of oomph to it. So, I loved Mustang, actually. Um, it's amazing that France picked that. As uh, There were so many good French films. And as they, opposed to Jaco Diard's new movie, Dipan, which won the Palme d'Or. Or, or, uh, or, but but the thing is the reason they the reason they went for it I think is that it's a it, it, uh, I'm using the word again it's a crowd pleaser it plays really well it it warms people's hearts and gets them angry yeah it's good and and it's also again topical I mean it's very much this this feminist drama well, about a lot of people are, and yeah, how and women so are being treated in the world which is very much of the moment and then the so sony also has the lady in the van which is maggie smith you know Doing really really she, good she did on what, in the theater 16 earlier. years yeah. ago so it's it's an alan bennett play. it's very this is a very strong role i she gets in i think 
Well, it sounds like the kind so. of thing that would play well for a certain demographic, but is it an awards contender? Yeah, I mean, that's it, what I'm saying. Big enough? That's what it is. It's a all right. So that's what the only so definition. Which section, <laughs> which section of the world is 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 reliable? Theatrical art house movies for seniors, mm. of Until which this is off. one. Well, <laughs> then they're in trouble. Right. But it, but and then the a, other one that didn't do so well was I saw the light as we had discussed last week. Right. So that, which is so, it literally? Uh, I believe it's thirty three percent. Oof. Thirty one. <laughs> I've seen I've seen worse. I mean, I think maybe on some level the fact that it's been beaten up so much now may help it a little bit further down the line when it opens. Because like it, people say, well, they they say that he's fine. Right. If it, the bar yeah. is set so low, yeah. then maybe it's not as, as catastrophic as, as, as people assume. But that's a, it, neither of us have seen it still. So again, we can't really weigh in on that one. I would like to bring up the one question, which is how the studios can play this award season game versus the people we were talking about before, Sony and Weinstein, because you have somebody like Universal with Steve Jobs. I mean, can't they outspend the hell out of these guys? I mean, Well, Harvey's level. the one who learned how to spend in the first place, so sure. he's going he's gonna to throw everything he has. He's going to use every while, every trick in the book to make sure that Carol goes forward. That's his horse. Right. That's the horse he's riding. But then you also have Fox with The Martian, which is a movie that, I mean, you can't really discount how much people like this movie. It was added to the New York Film Festival slate. They put it in there because yeah. they're giving it an award. They didn't necessarily think ahead of time this was an awards film, and it played so well. Yeah. Now they're going there, for there, it. I did not see a and single Matt really negative Damon. No, it's look at it, Rotten Tomatoes. It's like at a hundred or yeah. something. I mean, it's it's uh, so it's it's doing very well with critics and, and audiences. And we'll probably do well commercially. Oh come on, are you kidding? It's going to be like an Argo. It's going to be fantastic. I saw really it's an anti-interstellar because the interstellar had all this kind of these expectations that it was going to be. The, the, they were trying to sell the science, it. and that was a case where you have a powerful filmmaker who isn't necessarily good at marketing. Seriously, right. sometimes he went into defense they, mode after he was, a while. No, but he was he was running the campaign. Right, and when that happens, Nolan, sometimes they don't the, do the right thing. Right, selling the science in Interstellar was not a good idea. Well, that's the interesting this thing. This is establishing. This is already a book. Right. Remember, so the book is already popular, has already proven itself. Yeah, and and also the science speaks for itself. I mean, my ex NASA scientist father loved the book, which I thought was terribly written but had apparently very accurate physics. So they don't have to go on a campaign to explain no, that they to don't. people. It's, it's there. It's the, story, it's the story itself that works. So I guess with Steve Jobs and The Martian being these bigger studio films in the race, isn't there a chance that they could overshadow all this other stuff that we think is a frontrunner, like Spotlight, which is Open Road, a company that's never had a Best Picture contender? Remember that Tom Ortenberg, who's the CEO of, of Open Road, comes from Miramax. He comes from New Line. He knows the Weinstein stuff. He learned it all. He knows how to do it. Um, and I think it's it's sometimes it's the serious movie that that if it touches everyone the way I think it will, it it has a very good chance. I just think that it'll be a, a very striking contrast to the last two years of, of award seasons. But when you think about well, Birdman, Birdman versus Searchlight. But those were the, the I those mean, were Birdman both independent was, films. Independent films doing things we'd never seen before, 
Spotlight, you can't say it's doing something you've never seen before. You could say that it's a very well-made, very well-acted drama, but it's not groundbreaking in any particular way. Even 12 Years a Slave, I think you could facilitate that conversation about it. This is it not doesn't have kind. to be groundbreaking. It has to make people feel good. It has to make people feel impressed that it's well-written, well-directed, well-acted. It has to make the actor's branch happy, and that it will do. Right, so there's all these different Remember elements that. in play. Yeah, it's all, I mean, it's almost mathematical. When it you is, put it that way. absolutely. They, they stack the deck with all those actors. Well, they, the, don't, they, 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 they delivered a good movie. Yeah. They're not consciously stacking the deck. They, well, they, that's a, it's a surprise that the movie came out this But it well. works in their favor. Yes, it does. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and the field itself seems to be doing that as well. So. so one of the movies that didn't sell yet still is the Michael Moore from, from Toronto. Where to invade next? Yeah, as far as we know, I'm very curious to see what happens there. I mean, this morning, interestingly enough, I went to the set of the, the new Daily Show for a kind of press preview, and I was thinking about that. I was talking to an EVP about this. A Michael Moore movie 20 years ago meant something different than it does now, and that's not to say that I didn't enjoy Where to Invade Next, but the shtick doesn't have this, the same kind of bite that it did in, in an era of Box. daily shows and on all just so many different perspectives Morgan on the media. Spurlock. Yeah, it's a different climate, and I wonder if that's sort of what buyers are talking about. I mean, certainly not an awards movie. He has a he has a no. It's I don't think it is, but um, he has a a fan base that's very po- you know he has a big uh, liberal democratic. You know, movie-loving, smart fan base. But as he pointed out to you when we did the live talk with him, I mean, he hasn't been on a TV show in in almost a year. I mean, he hasn't been. He took, well, he took well, no, he took a break to make the movie. Right. So now he's back. Right. And they're all still there. And it's an they election season and all yeah. that kind of stuff. No, I think what they're trying to do is get exactly what Michael Moore wants. And so it's a theatrical combined with um, some kind of deep-pocketed, they want money, a deep-pocketed uh, buyer. And, and I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Amazon uh, that picked that up. It's wouldn't just a be question a bad of putting idea. the deal together. Those guys need to buy something already. They haven't yet. They have not made a big buy. But we certainly see them around a we, lot. we did. I think they were just putting deals together. <laughs> well, Where to Invade Next is screening the New York Film Festival, so maybe we'll see some movement on that soon. And um, and then Equal still hasn't sold, That's which is another, supposed to go right. for a big figure. Kristen Stewart and all that. You would think that it would have already figured it out. But I guess and there's also the Chet Baker movie with um, Ethan, Ethan Hawke, Hawk, who had a right. very good year, because he's very right. good in Maggie's plan as that well. That seemed to go over pretty well, but again, I mean, there's just so many different things happening right now. Maybe in some cases it's better to wait. So, so what's opening this weekend? That's the funny thing about it, is that you get stuck in this festival cycle and you forget that there's actually movies that other people can just go see that we've been talking about for a year, like 99 Homes. R- R- Maybe Ronnie's we've been story. talking about that for too long. Yeah. Maybe I mean, we're that, not interested in it anymore. I mean, people should see it, I think. It's a good movie. I, I've, I think I've it's been, dangerous to wait this long, yeah. is my point. Right. It's, Part it's, of it is because the company itself has gotten up and running broad green. Right. And, and this could have been an awards season kind of entry for them, but at this point it doesn't feel like it. I mean, it's it's a movie that reaches for that. It's got this the very actors angry are very tone. good, right? Andrew Garf- Garfield is is Michael. Uh, and Michael Shannon, Shannon very effective. It's got an, an edge to it, and it deals with something that a lot of people kind of remember pretty well: the housing crisis, in a way that I think is relatively accessible. Though at the same time, it's it's a little bit too 
grim, like uh, in a in a forced way. I felt like on some level that the the dramatic elements were overwhelming the credibility of the story, especially as it climaxes in a very operatic way. But I do think that Ramin Barani has been a fascinating director to watch evolve in that respect, from kind of you know aping the style of the Iranian new realism to these bigger movies with stars that seem to be saying other things about our society. And so this is his most successful film to date. It has thrilling elements. It moves at a good pace. It's never dull. Yeah, there's some growth there that I think is worth checking out. And uh, in 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 other ways, it it also maybe sets the stage for another another element of his career. I mean, if he can if he keeps working in this vein, then there there well actors are going to want to work with him because he's obviously getting good performances. Um, Another movie that's been around since last Toronto is The Keeping Room. Which is finally coming out. Which right. Which, a, if you if you read our new column by James Franco, you're you're well versed in its uh, feminist western uh, war movie shadings. But uh, it's yeah. basically a civil war western from the point of view of the women left behind, who are at considerable risk of marauding soldiers, and Brett Marling and a group of women are basically Haley defending Steinfeld. defending their turf. Yeah, it's it's it works really well, I think, because it's almost like this chamber piece. I loved it's it. It's entirely on the farm. It's a little bit peck and paw like in yes, terms of the showdown. Absolutely. And uh, it says some really interesting things about the impact of the Civil War on modern America that aren't talked about a lot, just in terms of gender roles and relationship between North and South and things like that. Especially in the, towards towards the end, I think that there's something really fascinating about how it sort of transitions into another stage of history. Um, but it I does do recommend it. it. It's, and Britt Marling, it's a great role for her. She's yeah. strong. She's smart. She's wily. She's no victim. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm amazed that Britt Marling hasn't popped the way that some actors are, like Brie Larson, who's now in room and getting all, all this kind of acclaim. I mean, she, there was one point in time where she seemed like she was in all kinds of different projects of a certain she size. She still but... is. It's just that she's, she's, a, she's a, I think she sticks to her uh, own taste, and she writes and, and, and produces, and she's has been in a lot so of independent stuff. films that haven't necessarily taken and off. she was in a... She's smart. She doesn't yeah. want to do dumb roles. She was very good in arbitrage. Yeah, arbitrage. She was in a TV the show, a TV show with uh, the Danny Boyle directed, which not a lot of people saw over here. I mean, and uh, I think this movie really does showcase what she could do, which is carry a very small project and, and take it on to another level because it, it asks a lot of that performance I agree. in particular. I agree. So I hope people go check it out. Draft House Films is releasing. It's not. It's not getting a huge release, but it's it's certainly one checking out it delivers and it has payoff. Absolutely. You know, for a lot of ways. And then um I finally saw Mississippi Grind, which has been sort of slowly working the festival circuit from Sundance to uh Carl Vivari and other places. And although I think it's a lot better than The Gambler, which I hated, um and I love Ben Mendelsohn, and he can do no wrong, and he's great in this role. I just feel like I've seen this movie before. It's just so it's Anna Boney and Ryan Fleck who did, you know, Half Nelson yeah. and, and, and Sugar. And um, I, I still haven't seen it, but uh, but I'm curious to know if you see any of that DNA there. Not so much. Really? I mean, it's a it's a it's another movie about two guys who can't stop gambling, who can't say no, who keep moving, and and there's a lot of atmosphere and a lot of, of great uh, dynamics between 
Ryan Reynolds and, and Ben Mendelsohn. But but finally, the bottom line is is not, you know, how much do we care about these characters? How much can they carry us through this this sort of sordid tale? Well, that's what I'm just going to have to cram into my, my, my schedule sometime in the next six weeks before all these year-end polls and so forth come up, just so I can know, and then either agree or disagree. And, and we Sienna Miller as yet another, you know, <laughs> woman of the night. I mean, it's Kinda just... Kind of like high Exactly. I'm tired of it. Well, maybe she's not. <laughs> but I have to say, what one thing that, I, that does come to mind when you mention that movie is, is that it's a, it's a 24 which seems to be kind of diversified. They're on the rise, for sure. They're really doing well. They, they picked up a, a movie out of uh, Toronto, the uh, Into the Forest with Ellen Page, which was actually a, a Patricia Razima's movie. Very, another movie that's very feminine, not to put too fine a point on it, You know, very much about the earthy, sort of connected to the earth qualities of women. And these two women... Um, Evan Rachel Wood and Ellen Page play sisters who have to survive off the grid in the forest in in the future. And it sounds kind of like the keeping room, except in the future. It's a little. The it's past. a little. It's not dissimilar. <laughs> uh-huh. There are marauding men as well. And A twenty four is also moving into production. They've got Barry Jenkins' new movie through where they're working with Plan B. Jeremy Saulnier's new movie is going to be produced by them. So they're they're one to watch. I mean, maybe. Uh, the room situation will develop in the coming weeks, and we'll have an opportunity to get back to that one now. But for the time being, we're going back into New York Film Festival mode, and this Monday, for those listeners who are in New York, come on by the Eleanor Union Monroe Film Center. We're going to do another one of these live tapings at 7.45 p.m., so we encourage folks to show up and ask questions or throw things. Or... By then, we will have seen the walk. We can, we'll have one more to, to talk and through. And we will have seen some that, that program that... Um... Is being done by um, Citizen Four's Laura Quatris. Mm-hmm. And documentary uh, program. we won't have seen Bridge of Spies. We can make all kinds of crazy assumptions. I see that about when that I get one. back to LA, actually, <laughs> next weekend. So we hope to see people then. <laughs>